thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Well, we're in this series called Real Faith, and it's where we look at movies and we take spiritual truth, we take things that are in the in community, and we bring them into the Word of God, and we bring out some spiritual some spiritual truths in some of the movies that we, maybe you have seen. And today we're going to look at the movie Quiet Place. In the movie Quiet Place, sound is deadly. And because it's deadly, you play Monopoly with cloth pieces, you roll the dice onto onto a carpet, even the crunch of a leaf on a trail can be fatal. And so what you do is you pour sand and you make paths out of sand so that you can travel safely from one place to another. You learn sign language to be able to communicate with your children. You bow your head in prayer and you hold your family's hands, but you do not raise your voice. You laugh in mute, you cry in mute, you cry out in pain in mute, you sing in mute, you live in mute, or if you don't, you don't live at all. That's the world of The Quiet Place. The movie was written by John Krasinski, and you probably know him from the movie the Off, or from the show The Office. I don't watch that. I'm godly, so I don't see that, but I'm sure many of you have watched that and followed that show along with many people. Thank you for laughing, because that was just a joke. He wrote it and produced it and also starred in it. In fact, he's the lead role. He plays Lee Abbott. When he, after he wrote, he says, I think I'm onto something. He took it home to his wife, a little known fact. And he said, can you read this for me? And she read it and, and his wife, his real wife, Emily Blunt, she read it and she's like, who's gonna play the role beside you? And he threw out some names, some, some A-list people. And she said, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And he goes, you wanna do it? Yeah, so they did this role together. She plays his wife, the movie, Evelyn Abbott. And the couple fight to keep their sons and daughters, keep them alive for survival from aliens that come from another world. And for them, there is no such thing as safe, safe and get it sound. No such thing as safe and sound. For the aliens can't see them, but they can hear them. And if they hear them, they can find them. If they find them, well then, well, you know what happens. In this apocalyptic sci-fi thriller, the movie follows the Abbots as they try to live life in a way that is quiet, but retains some semblance of order, normalcy, and existence, but all in silence. Now, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I want to set up this next clip, the only clip that we'll show today. And it, our screen is so good that the dark, it's, you know, some of the darker movies, it, so it kind of gets pixelated. But, but I want you to be at least familiar with it. And in this clip, Evelyn, who's been raising her children since her husband died, she longs for a safer place where their living is no longer safe. She's raising these children all by herself. She knows there's other people that are out there. There's strength in numbers, and she needs to go and get connected in a community because there's just a few people that aren't even left on the planet from this alien invasion. And so she needs to go and find them. It's worth the risk to move out of her comfort zone and to go and be with these people. And so as they start making their way to this abandoned factory, they make a sound. And as you know, that brings the aliens' attention. And so now they have to run for their lives. They ran to their secret place. That's their safe place from the aliens, their secret place. 
When they got there, they were able to have life as normal. They were able to have dialogue. They were able to talk. You could go into the secret place. It was as a place where, where things became normal for them to be able to communicate and they draw strength from one another. It was in that secret place. The interesting thing is that Jesus gives us the same kind of invitation to come into our secret place, our quiet place. In Matthew 6, 31, he said it this way. He said, come with me by yourselves. Notice he doesn't want us to bring other people along with us. In this busy world, this connected world that we live in, he's saying, what I want you to do is just come. There's an action there. There's a, there's a series of intentionality that you're gonna have to get up from where you are. You're gonna have to come and you're gonna have to put away all the other things. You're gonna have to come by yourself to a, to what, what does he say? A quiet place. He says, and get some, and get some rest. I'm just wondering that, it, that if we have gotten this all backward, that we think that if we sleep longer, like if I could just get eight or nine hours of sleep, I wonder what that even feels like. Anybody else? <laughs> but if we could just get an extra hour of sleep or we could take a nap, and I'm, look, I'm not picking on naps because on Sunday afternoon, sometimes the most sacred thing you can do is take a nap, amen. But I'm just wondering that if in the flesh we have it all, we think we haven't figured out when we really don't, that rest is not an extra hour of sleep or a good night's rest, but rest is really coming and being with God in our secret place, and that's where we find rest. Because here's what I think. I think sometimes that in the busyness of this world and in all of that we call the rat race and all the busyness that's around us and everything that's going on and all the distractions, I think sometimes what we really need to find rest is to just come and be alone with Jesus in our quiet place. I know the last year and a half has been taxing on a lot of people. In fact, it's made your life a lot busier. In fact, for us pastors, it didn't get, e it didn't get easier. It wasn't time off. Our schedules got more hectic. We worked more hours during the pandemic than less. And for some of you, I know your life got harder as well. I mean, you were working, but you got furloughed. You were at home. We've all seen the videos of how your dog would jump in your lap in the middle of a video conference, right, and demand your attention. Or your cat would jump on your keyboard in the middle of a video conference and wouldn't let you have that conference. Or your kids would all of a sudden go, mommy, right, in the middle of a busy and very important video conference. Your life just got harder during the pandemic, you were working, you were now mom, you were now a stay-at-home teacher. You were doing all kinds of things. And coming away with God and being alone with him in your quiet place, that was difficult. And maybe the reason why we're so tired and the reason why we're so spiritually beat down and maybe the reason why we're having a hard time picking ourselves up after COVID, maybe the hard reason why we're having such a, because we haven't taken Jesus' invitation to come alone with him into a quiet place to find rest. So I think this is the key. I think the key is finding that quiet place where we can be alone with God and we can, we can really find ourselves there and we can really connect with God and we can really find rest there. Let me help you understand this because let me give you some context to the narrative of how, what Jesus was talking about. See, Jesus sends out the disciples and they're going out and they're doing ministry. 
And he sends them out two by two. And, and as they're going out and doing ministry, they're seeing signs and wonders. The kingdom of God is expanding. God is using them and he's talking through them and they wanna come and they're running back to Jesus. And where they find Jesus, he's in Capernaum and he gets up early in the morning and as he normally does, he goes to the house of God, he goes to the temple and he's teaching and he's expounding on kingdom truth and, and people are coming into the kingdom of God and people are coming into that temple and they're like, wow, they're astonished, they're amazed at his great teaching, just like you are this morning. Go ahead and laugh, it was just a joke. I'm not inflating myself here, see if you're awake. How many of you know laughter is good? It does, it does your heart good, right? And Mary Hart does good like a Mexican. You laugh at me and laugh at each other. Let's just do that. Ha, 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 right? just, okay. It's not working, we'll move on. But they were amazed at his teaching. And the, the temple began to fill up with people. And the disciples come running in in the middle of a service and they're like, Jesus, you wouldn't believe how the kingdom of God is being expanded. You wouldn't believe that the deaf are, are hearing and that the lame are walking and miracles are happening. You wouldn't believe what God is doing through our ministry. You've sent us out, we've come home to give you a report. And they're so excited, they're interrupting everything. And as they're interrupting what's happening, there's other people that are coming saying, Jesus, keep teaching, keep going. We wanna hear more. And Jesus says, disciples, come with me by yourselves. Let's leave ministry. Let's leave what we're doing. Let's leave what's happening right here in this moment so that we can find a quiet place and you can find rest. I'm wondering if so many times that in our lives that even though we're busy doing something good, like Jesus was teaching, and the disciples were bringing back reports of God, testimonies, and that God was doing great things. I just wonder that even in the middle of doing good things, that, that we get so wrapped up in doing those good things that we really don't take the quiet time that we need and find rest. See, Jesus, in that morning moment with them, was saying, listen, let's just get away and by ourselves and let's go to a quiet place Let's go to a quiet place so you guys, can, you guys can have rest. We live such a busy lives. In fact, ministry can be demanding. And I think Jesus is giving you and I the same opportunity, the same invitation that says, come to me. Let's find a quiet place together. And there you're going to find rest. The biblical account, as we read this narrative, it goes on to, to, to say these things, that Jesus went away. They went away with Jesus to a solitary place. I want you to understand that. They went to, say it, solitary. Say solitary. Solitary place. He goes, it was a quiet place. It was a solitary place of rest. And here's what happens next. They get in the boat and they, they get off in the Sea of Galilee and all the people that were there in the temple, all the miracles that had happened and that Jesus was doing and all the, great, all the great teaching that was happening, they go, Jesus is leaving, let's follow him. And they go, let's, they began to move around the shore of Sea of Galilee and they were like, there he is, he's in that boat. And people began to go, what's happening? That's Jesus, the one that does miracles. He's unbelievable, you gotta follow him. And they're like, let's follow you and we'll follow him. And the crowd begins to grow. And Jesus brings the boat to the shore. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And there's 5,000 men that were there. And he continues to teach. And the disciples come up and say, Jesus? They start pulling on his arm. I think you've gone on too long. I hope the 
my staff never has to tell me that, right? Come up, run on the platform, pastor, it's a little long. We're done, can you finish, wrap it up, land the plane, let's go. But the disciples are doing that to Jesus. Hey, it's time, like we gotta stop. And he's like, why? Because everybody's hungry, they haven't eaten all day, and neither have we, by the way. And Jesus said, well, you feed them. And they're like, what? We don't have any food. Hit the fast forward button, you know what happens. Jesus feeds the 5,000, like 16 to 20,000 people, if you include women and children. And as soon as that miracle is done, they go along with the baskets, pick up 12 baskets full or full. So now they have their own basket, one for each disciple. And Jesus said, take your basket, immediately get in the boat and leave. Where are we going? Go to the other side. Why aren't you going? We're your disciples. You sent us out, we came back for a report. We spent the day working. We spent the day in ministry. I know you provide, we got this basket of food. But Jesus, aren't you gonna go with us? We're your disciples, we follow you. Immediately, that word is forcibly. Jesus said, you're going now, get in the boat. And they go, okay, we're going. And why did Jesus get rid of the disciples? What does he do? You remember the story? He goes to a solitary place, a quiet place. And he begins to pray on the side of the mountain. That's what he does. I mean, when I looked at the story, I started asking myself, he says, why does Jesus disconnect with his loved ones? Why did he have to do that? To find his quiet place. Why did he shut down ministry in the middle of everything that was going great? I mean, he could have established a church there that day with 20,000 people. That would have been an awesome start. But he pushed them all away and pushed the disciples away. Why? So he could find a quiet place. Why did Jesus abruptly get rid of those that he loved the most, that were called to follow him and never leave him? Why did he do that? To find a quiet place. And when I looked at this again and I saw this, that Jesus was up on the side of the mountain praying and he was in his quiet place, I started going, how important is this quiet place? And so in your notes, I hope you're following along in the app and at home, the quiet place is a place of obedience. It's a place of obedience. In this narrative I just shared two times, Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat, and they get in the boat. It's a place of obedience. If you're going to find your quiet place, then you're gonna to have to learn to obey the Lord. And, and here's what the Bible says about obedience, 1 Samuel 15. I mean, it really spells it out for us. To obey is better than sacrifice. Say it out loud with me. To obey is better than sacrifice. Why do I want you to say this out loud? Because I want you to get this. To obey is better than well, I just have to get up. People are dependent on me. I really, I didn't sleep well, but I got to go to church because I have to be there. If I don't show up, nobody else will do it. Nobody else will be it. Look, I'm not saying don't serve. We need people. In fact, post-COVID, we can't do everything that we need to do because people are not you know, as engaged as they were before. And we get it. We've put no pressure on anyone because we knew that when people got back to church, they would be hurting, they'd be tired, and they would need rest. This is not a push to sign up. But if you're looking at getting up on Sunday as I have to, or it's a sacrifice, or I've got to do this, can I just tell you that that doesn't mean anything really to the Lord? He said, I would rather you obey than sacrifice. And how many times do we do things out of sacrifice? I've got to, or that's our mentality, instead of like, I choose to obey the word of the Lord. 
What does God call me to do? How can I get excited about what God called me to walk in? Because see, Deuteronomy chapter five tells us to walk this way, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded. Can we just stop right there and go, that is impossible. Can we just all agree to that? Can, I, can we just agree to that? Raise your hand. Yes, we agree. That is impossible. So what do you mean it's impossible, pastor? That's the command he's given the people of God. That is impossible. You're not doing that now. If you've been in church 30 years, you've been in church 50 Sundays for all 30 of those years, that's 1,500 sermons. Are you obeying everything that the people have told you over those last 30 years? No. It's okay. Just say amen or ouch. Either way, it works. I don't. This is impossible. God's called us to something that's extremely hard. I want you to walk. That's why when people say, oh, you think being a Christian, Christians is so easy. Yeah, right? You try it then. Jump in head first and you try it. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Why are we commanded to? Why are we supposed to operate in obedience to the best of our ability, to everything that God has commanded you? Now listen, I'm talking to mature Christian people today that you call yourself a Christian. If you're not that person, then I'm not talking to you. But if you're here and you say, look, I wear the label Christian and everybody in my life knows that I've taken the public statement of faith, I've stepped out in water baptism and people know that I'm a Christian. My people at work, my people at my school, they know that I'm a Christian. I'm talking to you and you get it and they get it too, by the way, right? Because when you're at work and somebody tells a joke that's not as clean as it should be and everybody laughs and everybody looks at you and goes, why are you laughing? What's, what, what, are, what are you on display right there? You're not walking in obedience to all that the Lord can manage you. You're trying to fit in. You're not coming out from among them and being separate. You're not being holy and righteous as God's called you to do. Come on. See, everybody knows when you say I'm a Christian, they know the standard. They may not be living it, but they know the standard you should be living and they hold you to it. And they say, listen, you're to walk in that obedience. You're to do that. And why are we supposed to, if we're Christians and we're mature, if we're embracing this thing, then why do we do it? So that we may live and prosper. The word live here is that same word that Jesus used when he said that you, he would give us life and life more abundantly so we could have abundant life, prosper and prolong our days. Why do we do it? So we can experience the intangible and the tangible blessings of God in our life today. God wants to work through our life, but he is requiring us to obey. I love the book of James. The book of James is like this practical you know, book of the Bible. Like he doesn't mix words. He just says, here's what you're to do. He's like, there's, you know, here's what James says about it. He said, do not merely listen to the word. Like thousands of people are doing on Sunday mornings. They sit in church. They feel good about that. They've been in church, checked it off the list, went to church. They're merely listening to the word. And do not deceive yourself. How do you do that? By listening to the word and not doing what it, what it says. James just makes it really simple. He goes, let me help you understand. Don't just listen to it. Otherwise, you'll deceive yourself. You've got to listen to it and do it. You've got to listen to what it says and then put it into action. You can't just sit back and go, hey, I went to church, yay. No, no, you listen to the word and then you put it in action. If you don't, what are you doing? You're deceiving, you're deceiving yourself. 
And there's so many people that are deceiving themselves. When God's saying, listen, I want you to operate in obedience. I want you to apply the word of God. I want you to wrap your arms around. I want you to meditate on. I want you to pray the word of God. I want you to declare the word of God. I want you to speak the blessings of God. I want you to declare the promises of God. I want you to get it inside of you so much because when you cling to the word of God and the spirit of God in you, that's when you pray and receive. That's what Jesus said. And when we get... We get so far removed from the word of God and doing the word of God in our life. We pray and our prayers are empty because we're not connected to the word and what the word is trying to work in us. And the word, when the word is working in us, you know it when it's working in someone, don't you? Because they start becoming obedient to it. They set apart. They look different. They act different. They do different things than other people that are around them. They're not ashamed of the gospel any longer because they recognize it's the power of God working in their life. And they need that power source in order to continue to live an overcoming life. They know they need to stay connected. Their quiet place allows them to stay connected to such a place that they can live out the word of God, that spirit of truth. It enables them to walk in truth and see victory over and over again. They don't deceive themselves by only hearing it. They're actually putting it into practice. And they're seeing the fruit of the word of God happening in their life. That's why it's so easy for us to get jealous in church. We look at somebody else and we go, why is God blessing them and not us? Well, maybe, maybe it's because you're not obeying the word. We say, well, pastor, that's a harsh. Well, maybe it's true because jealousy wouldn't creep up in your heart if the word of God was there. Because where the spirit of God is and the word of God is, there's no room for jealousy. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. When something happens positive to our brother or sister, we're like, that's awesome. That's exciting. That's incredible. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad that God is working in your life. And it's not, but I wish God would do that for me. No, that doesn't follow. It follows this is true rejoicing. The reason why we need a quiet place in our life is so that we can get along with God and we can figure out what is God speaking to me so I know how to obey it. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they what? They obey. We get alone in our quiet place so we can obey. And secondly, the quiet place is a place of prayer. I was so intrigued this week. I was so intrigued that the one who needed to pray the least because of who he was, Jesus, actually prayed regularly. He kept going off in a solitary, in a solitude place. He kept going to a quiet place. He kept continuing a life of prayer. In fact, his life of prayer didn't stop. The Bible said he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's forever making intercession for you and I. He keeps praying for you and I right now. Prayer is such an essential part of Jesus' life and ministry. He continued it even in heaven. And it got me to stop and thinking, folks, like, why are so many people focused on the miracles? The miracles are awesome, but we're so focused on the miracles, the supernatural. And I'm like, still other people talk about his ability to speak and to teach and how it was with great authority. And yet other people talk about his grace and his uncomparable great love, even to the chiefest of sinners. And all of those people would be right. But maybe they're missing one thing. The depth of Jesus's devotional life was the central part and the source of who he was. Maybe we should look at this quiet place, the prayer life of Jesus. 
See, prayer was such a priority action in Jesus's life. What allowed him to stay connected to the Father was so important that he taught the disciples to pray. Remember, he pulled them aside. This is how you should pray. Psalm 66, 19, it tells us about prayer. But God has heard. He has given attention to the sound of my prayer. When you pray, God hears, he listens. I love that Bible says that God knows what we need even before we ask it, but I love the fact that he gives us a divine invitation to like commune with him and be in that quiet place so that we could be in his presence and pray. Do you know that the Bible says that he records every one of our prayers? God records every single one of our prayers. Everything that you say is being recorded in heaven when you pray to God. It makes me want to pray more. I want to make sure that book's big and wide. How many of you know, right? When I get to heaven, I don't want it to be as thin as this iPad. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, right, I, if he's recording my words, I want it to be like this big thing. Like the angels come out and go, poof, we got another volume back here. <laughs> Hold on, we're not done. You know, like, <laughs> right? In fact, what you say to God is so important. When you say it with tears streaming down your face, the Bible says that there's a crucible in heaven that he captures every one of your tears. Wow. He hears and gives us attention when we pray. I don't know about you, but I, there's been times in my life where I don't even know how to pray. Romans 8, Paul talks about this. He addresses it. He said, the spirit helps us in our time of weakness. Anybody been weak in prayer? The Spirit helps you when you're weak, for we do not know what to pray. Have you ever been in that situation? I have. There's been moments I didn't even know how to pray for myself. There's been moments where I've been so frustrated with God not working in your life as your pastor. Like, God, why don't you just do, I don't even know how to pray right now. There's been people that have been so hurting and their, their pain has been so real and I haven't been able to maybe empathize with them because I haven't been there and I don't know what to say. Anybody else been there? That if you don't know what to pray, the Spirit himself is interceding for you with groaning so deep that it's not even legible with words. You know what this goes on to say? That that is why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need a prayer language. Because when we don't know what to pray and we pray in our tongue language, we pray in our heavenly language, what happens is we're praying the very perfect will of God over our life. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need to be spirit-led and spirit-empowered. We need the spirit of God working in our life and praying in the spirit so that we can pray the will of God. Because there are all moments, like we just said, where we are weak, where we don't know what to say. And it's in those moments that most of us stop praying. When you don't know what to say, you just don't say anything. But those are the moments we need to be in our quiet place the most. So those are the moments when we don't know what to say, where we step into that quiet place and say, God, I don't know what to say in my own mind. And I don't know what to say in my own heart. And I don't know how to say it in my own language. But I know a language that you've given me that it's going to pray your will. And I'm coming with the same boldness, with the same attentiveness. I'm coming with the same enthusiasm. And I'm praying the will of God right now. And we begin to cry out. How many of you have been in that place to know that the glory of God falls? What's the quiet place? Not just a place of prayer. It's a place of strength. A place of strength. It's true that Jesus told the disciple, pray and not give up. Have be determined. Be resolute. Have hoopo men and have that perseverance about you. It's true that he told them to pray. 
that they might not fall into temptation because they will fall maybe into temptation. You, you and I, we sometimes stumble and fall. It's true that Jesus said that. But here's, here's what I want you to capture in Ephesians chapter six. And you know this verse. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in, his, and in the strength of his might. He's talking about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against rulers and powers in dark places. He's telling us that there's a battle that is being waged for our soul each and every day. He said, I want you to stand and stand firm. And when you stand firm, put on the full armor of God. And he begins to list the armor of God. And when he gets to the end of the full armor of God, he said, and finally, be strong. Say it with me, in the, oh, wait a minute. Is it possible that in when we're battling in the spirit, when we're raging in battle against the demonic forces, when we have been in those weak moments, that we've gotten up and we said, I'm gonna do this. And we're trying to do it in our own strength. We're trying to do it in our own resolve. We put a, we put a thought in our mind, say, this is the moment. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna be strong, only to stumble and fall again, only to not make it through the day, and only to let that same weakness, that same sin habit bring us down again. Is it possible? That you and I, the reason why we continue to struggle and fall and we continue not to make it through is because we're trying to do it in our own strength and we're not doing it in the strength of the, the Lord. He said, when you're battling devils and they're real, there's a roaring lion looking to make fire, made destroy. There is a real enemy. He said, I want you to be alert. I want you to be on guard. I want you to put on the full armor of God. And finally, I want you to be strong in the, oh, it's not a matter of our own perseverance. Here's what I want you to admit, spiritual principle right here. You cannot accomplish in the physical. You cannot, let me say it a different way. You cannot accomplish what God wants you to accomplish spiritually in the physical. It's impossible. There's some battles that are only one in the spirit. And the only way that you are strengthened for those battles is to be strong, not in yourself, to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I love how the Amplified Version says it. Say, let me, we're bringing this close, but look at this. In conclusion, Paul's in concluding, but I'm not. But in conclusion, no, I really, I'm bringing it home. Be strong in the Lord. That means draw your strength from him and be empowered through him, through union with him. What is that? That's a quiet place, union with him. When we get in a quiet place, then I'm able to draw strength from him. I'm able to be empowered by him. I'm able to see the, the, the Holy Spirit begin to help me to become an overcomer. Now I begin to take on spiritual strength and spiritual fervor and spiritual dynamic that I didn't have in my own self. And I'm able to stand up against the devil and his scheme. I'm able to stand up against those things that are happening in people's lives. I'm able to say no and, and I'm able to, to resist temptation. I'm able to do those things because now I have been in my quiet place and I've been in union with God and strength and empowerment comes from God's. And in the power of his ooh, boundless might. Boundless might. Boundless might. In other words, your quiet place gives you everything you need to be boundless, to be successful, to be an overcomer in this world. In our story today, this narrative I've been sharing with you, Jesus called the place of prayer. He said it was a quiet place and it was a place of solitude. Here's what's interesting. You can go back and look at it. Jesus, the disciples called that place a remote 
place. And it dawned on me as I was reading this story over and over again this week, it dawned on me, I thought, how many times do we as followers of Christ, do we think of that place, that quiet place as a remote place? Not a place of solitude, but a remote place. Not a quiet place to meet with God, but a remote place. See, if we think of it as a remote place, then it's again, it becomes a checklist thing. Something I've got to do. I've got to go over here. I've got to close my prayer closet door. I've got to spend time with God, check in the list, read a few passages, read a chapter a day, you know, in Proverbs, and you can get through it in a month. And then I do, and then, oh, boom, then I get, oh, it's 30 minutes and I'm done. That's a remote place, but that's not a quiet place. See, a remote place is, and I know how this works, and especially those of you that don't carry Bibles anymore. You're like, I got my Bible. It's right here. My kids try to do that to me all the time, right? They, I, I'm not, where's your Bible? It's right here. But I know how it works. You get in your quote-unquote quiet place, and then your phone starts blowing up. Bling, bling. Well, that's my girlfriend. Hold on. Bling, bling. That's my fiance. She's at the store. She's getting stuff for the wedding. I, I got to reply to this. I'm going to put it face down. I'm not going to listen to that. But you see it lighting up underneath your, you know, it keeps lighting up. And then you come back over here. There's 25 different notifications just for this one app. I'm sure one of them is important. Hold on. Oh, wait a minute. Somebody just posted a new reel. Let me, let me go back to the word. Let me go, I gotta go back to my Bible app. Hold on. Oh, where's my prayer list? I, I got it in my notes section over here. Oh, my wife just updated the grocery list. I gotta go by the store on the way home. As soon as church is over, I, got, I gotta go to the store. She updated my grocery list. Oh, the Cardinal game's about to start. Okay, hold on. Jesus, just a second. Wait, uh, hold on. Somebody updated... Oh, somebody sent me a direct message. It's a missionary from overseas. I'm sure this is really important. Excuse me, just a guy, excuse me. Just, I wanna make sure I check this to make sure that he doesn't need anything from us or our church. And, oh, he's just saying hi, letting us know he's praying for us in our service. Isn't that nice? That's, that's really good. That's really good. I'm glad people are praying. You understand what I'm doing here? And then next thing you know, we look up, and go, oh, it's been a half hour, I'm done. Thank you, Jesus for a wonderful quiet time that we've had together today. And, and Lord, you know exactly what I need and I'm just gonna leave the rest to you and I'm gonna go about my day. Thank you, Jesus, amen. And don't, I feel good, I prayed. And I spent like 30 seconds commuting to God in my quiet place and I've spent like an hour or a moment, one minute actually reading the Bible. And then we wonder why we're not finding that place of rest. Jesus said to the disciples, he says the same thing to you and I. I want you to come along with me to a quiet place. That means no distractions. Get a real Bible and leave your phone in your room or wherever. And get a real Bible and turn the pages and learn the books of the Bible, where they are. So when the pastor says, turn to this passage, you're not looking in the table of contents trying to figure out, is that even a book of the Bible? Come on now. I mean, it's great that we have all these wonderful things and they're great if they enhance what we're doing. 
But if they're not enhancing your relationship with God, then it becomes a distraction, becomes more of a weight. And you need to get in the Bible itself and just get in the Bible and begin to highlight some things, begin to underscore some things, make some notes in there. Let God speak to you. And when he does, put the date by it. So when you go back to it like two or three years later and you're going through that same Bible study and you're like, man, three years ago, I thought this was awesome. That's not awesome. That's fundamental now. You're growing, amen. But maybe the reason why we can't get through, we can't push through and we can't live in victory is because we haven't received the invitation. This is once you come along with me, come alone with me to your quiet place. So you can find rest. Rest for your spirit. Rest for your soul. Rest for your body. Rest for your mind. So you can find rest. Maybe we've got it all backward that we just think an extra hour of naps gonna help us. It may get you through the day, but you're not gonna find real rest. Rest is found in the quiet place. Obedience is found in the quiet place. True prayer happens in the quiet place. It happens in the quiet place when we become strong. How many you know you need the quiet place? How many believe God's speaking to you right now about your quiet place? There's some questions that go through at the end, and you can do that in your small group or when you get home, but... Listen, if God's speaking to you about your quiet place, would you just quietly just stand right where you are? I want to pray for you. Look, I'm not looking for 100%. This is not what this is about. This is about you acknowledging maybe God's speaking divinely to you in this moment that we'll never get again. The quiet place. Father, you see everyone that is standing there. They're declaring that, Lord, that you're, you're speaking to them right now. You're calling them out of the busyness. You're calling them out of the hectic. You're calling them out of the cares and the pressure of this world to come alone with you into a quiet place to find rest, to find their marching or so they can obey, to find a place of true prayer where they're in union and connection with you, a place where they can pray in the spirit, a place where they can find strength and empowerment for this life. And Lord, I pray that you would, as you're speaking to them, that Lord, that you would, you would help them individually to know how to enhance that quiet time with them. Maybe it's a time of day that you're gonna speak to them about. Maybe it's a place that they can make sacred. God, maybe it's the things that they're to take into that quiet time, a Bible, a concordance. Maybe it's a journal that they can begin to Put their thoughts, your thoughts down for them. Prophetic things that you speak to them by your spirit. Maybe it's prayers that you want them to, to pray aloud and record so they can go back and be refreshed. Maybe it's a prayer list that they make so they can pray for others and empower and strengthen others. Whatever it is, God, I believe that you're speaking clearly right now because you, you modeled this for us, Jesus. And I pray that a spirit of rest and peace would fall upon them right now. And God, those that are watching at home, I pray the same as they stop what they're doing, they get rid of the distractions and they prop up their phone on a pillow or on a countertop or on their couch. 
the Lord, they would close their eyes, they would get alone with you and allow the Spirit of God to speak to them about their quiet place. That's where the enemy cannot touch us. The power of God falls. The Spirit of God quickens. He prepares us for the future. And that future is a future of hope, a destiny, a calling, of purpose. And Lord, as you're speaking to people now, right now, here in this place and around the world, if you're here at the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it all begins with that, that moment of decision. Today's the day of salvation. Right now is the moment of time for you. And I'm asking for you right now to step out in faith and, and declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, you, me, all of us. The only difference between you and me right now is the fact that I've acknowledged that in my life and I know that I need a Savior and, I, and I've come to him and I said, God, please forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my life. And I have spent my life trying to get close to him to glorify him. So you this morning have that same opportunity. If you're in this room or you're watching online, you need Christ as your savior. You wanna make that acknowledgement right now. I want you to raise your hand right now where you are online. I want you to do the same. You're here in this room, raise your hand. I need Jesus. I see that hand. I see those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. And at home, you're doing the same thing. And I want everyone in this room and you online to follow. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart. I choose to make you my Savior, my Lord. Help me to live for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. See you real soon.